Good morning, everyone. We're glad you're tuning in today. And happy Easter to everyone. This is a beautiful day, a day in which we celebrate together all Christians all over the world. And this is, you know, don't you think about this. You know, as Christmas is Jesus' birthday, Easter is ours. And so today you celebrate uh, your rebirth, uh, your relationship in the Lord Jesus Christ. And so we trust that today that we will be uh, a part of helping you to celebrate Easter, uh, to celebrate what you have in Christ, uh, your personal relationship with Abba Father. And we thank you for tuning in today, and we welcome each and every one uh, to our service today. And, and uh, we pray for everybody's well-being continually, and we pray for everyone to uh, continue to love your family and love all that uh, God has placed in your hand to look for the good and to look for the positive that you're experiencing during these days. Hopefully, uh, sooner than later, we'll be back together where we open the doors and we all can gather together. But until then, uh, we'll continue to stream live uh, to, to provide uh, some type of ministry and service to you. So God bless you today, and uh, thank you for tuning in. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you that you allow us this very morning to celebrate uh, the risen Savior, to celebrate our life, to celebrate our connection, to celebrate our uh, opportunity as every day passes to have personal relationship with, with you as Abba Father. We thank you that we are your children. May all that we do this day be that which honors you, celebrates our life in you, and celebrates uh, you being God. And thank you for allowing us to be your children. And we just want to say we love you and we honor you this day. In your name that we pray. Amen. There's a place I've come to know Though my heart and flesh may fail There's an anchor for my soul I can say it is well Jesus has overcome And the grave is overwhelmed
morning I want to bring a message to you that's entitled Calling the Witnesses. And as I look at the scripture and begin to ask questions, are there witnesses that can testify that Jesus is alive that's recorded in the scripture? In fact, it is Apostle Paul that says in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, he gives us the various examples of one right after another of all of the appearances that Jesus made to the various ones and therefore records all of the witnesses. Kind of picture yourself if we were all to go into this large courtroom and a judge is in his chambers and he lays down his gavel to begin the court proceedings and then calls everyone in the courtroom together and says, I want to give to you one witness right after another uh, to the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And he begins first with Old Testament or New Testament examples leading up to giving each of us in that courtroom an opportunity to exclaim that we are witnesses personally of the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, beyond the shroud, beyond the blood, beyond the bandages, beyond the spices and the dark air, he stood outside a tomb alive. Now the living Christ rules where the best flags wave in the interior castles of our heart. And he is alive within those who believe. I want you to listen to this statement. I'm going to repeat it a couple of times. But I want you to listen to this statement. Easter is, Easter is the day that Christ moved out of his temporary residence into the best palace of, the, of humanity. In other words, the human heart. The day that Christ moved out of his temporary residence into the best palace of humanity, into the human heart. As he stands there on the outside of that, that empty tomb, he stands there entering into every heart who is receiving him and believing that he is alive, that he is the Messiah, that he has indeed risen from the dead, and he is Lord and Savior. And to all the witnesses that are recorded in Scripture, as well as to all the witnesses that are alive today, the resurrection affects the heart. It affects all of humanity. And if you come to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, that he has taken up residence in your great palace within you, your human heart. Easter, hell shuddered and the world trembled. And the day that the living Savior stood still again upon the earth, and everyone who believes understands he is Lord. The day Christ moved out of that temporary residence into the best palace of humanity, the human heart. It's like the day that Easter is the day that inwardness was born. We cannot see his inner life, but because of it, we're never the same. Those who hold the resurrection in its glorious form realize that by 
by baptism when Jesus died and then God the Father brought him back to glorious power, brought us back to life in that same, same understanding. The wonderful new life to enjoy. And so today, I want to read that scripture in 1 Corinthians 15, beginning in verse 1, where it says, Now, brothers, I want to clarify for you the gospel I proclaim to you. You received it and have taken your stand on it. You also have saved it. If you hold to the message I proclaim to you, unless you believe to no purpose, for I pass on to you as most important what I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures. He was buried, and He was raised on the third day according to the Scriptures. And then He appeared to Cephas, that is Peter, and then to the twelve, and then he appeared to 500 brethren at one time, most of whom remain to the present, but some have fallen asleep. And then he appeared to James, that is, his own brother, and then to all the apostles, and last of all, as to one abnormally born, he also appeared to me. I am the least of the apostles, unworthy to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God, but by God's grace I am what I am, and by his grace toward me was not ineffective. I work more than any of them, yet not I, but God's grace that was within me. Therefore, whether it is I or they, so we preach, so you have opportunity to believe. You see, in 1 Corinthians 13, Paul lists six wonderful reasons or six witnesses uh, to the fact that Christ is alive. These six witnesses come from the people or people groups who Jesus saw alive to who saw Jesus alive from the dead. And so in a sense we we subpoena the witnesses to come forth. We subpoena Cephas as is Paul says he appeared to Cephas that is Peter and in John chapter 21, we have the record where Jesus appeared to Peter, and it's a wonderful story. And if you later have, have your scripture, you can go back and read that entire chapter of John chapter 21. And it basically says that while Peter and the other disciples were in the boat, they were kind of, kind of went back to their former way of life and got to the point where they were a little discouraged because Jesus had not appeared to them yet. And all of a sudden, Jesus comes to the seashore of their life he, he gives them instruction about throwing the net back on the right side of the boat. They do that, and they find all this fish, and Peter kind of does a swan dive into the, the lake and swims back 100 yards, and when he gets to the shore, Jesus already has fish already prepared for breakfast and has bread ready to break it. And when he stands there looking at Jesus, he realizes his life has flashed before him. He realizes all those things that he had done, the, the, the time now that he had denied Christ, and Jesus was standing there with open arms ready to receive Peter back. And he challenges Peter, and he says, Peter, do you love me? And Peter says, of course, I, I love you. And he says, then feed my sheep. And he says, Peter, now I'm going to ask you again, do you love me? You know, with all your heart, Peter. And Peter says, yes, 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 I love you. And the third time, Jesus asked the same question. After he asked the third time, then Peter broke down and realized what Jesus was asking him. Kind of the grace that covered all his sin, the grace that covered all his denials, 
And, it, and he says to Peter, uh, Peter, then, then get back there on the shelf of usefulness. I want to use you. And he, he re-embraced him uh, back into the ministry and launched him forward. And we know according to Acts, Peter would do just that. He would preach to thousands and thousands of people, and the gospel would continue to get out. People would turn their life over to him, and, and the church was growing by leaps and bounds because of the message that Peter was preaching. And so we understand that Peter, Simon Peter, Cephas himself, was one who witnesses and testifies that Jesus Christ is alive, and he is alive within my heart. He has taken up residence in my palace, in my human heart. And then Paul says in 1 Corinthians that we read, he says that he also appeared to the, the twelve, the apostles. He appeared to the twelve. We have recorded in John chapter 20, in verses 19 through 23, where Jesus appears to the disciples, and one person is missing out of that group, and it is Thomas. And so he appears to all of them, and he reaffirms to them he is alive. They witness it for themselves that he is alive. At, at his crucifixion, they were all there, and now they're colored together in discouragement and despondency and fear of their own lives as they scatter. And Jesus comes through the walls and appears right there in their presence. And so we, we understand from the subpoena of, of, of those apostles, they would testify that Jesus Christ is alive and they have believed, they believe that he is alive and that he lives within their human heart because Jesus left his temporary residence and he took up residence into the, the palace of humanity and to the palace of each of their human heart as he does you and me. And then Paul says that he also appeared to Thomas. Thomas, as many come to understand Thomas, he's doubting Thomas. And Thomas was doubting even that even though he heard the reports from the women, even as he heard the reports from Peter or the disciples or the apostles as they're called, he still could not really believe in his heart that Jesus was alive. He couldn't, he couldn't put that concept in his mind. It just wasn't sinking in. And so Jesus appears eight days later after appearing with, to the, the apostles, he appears personally back to Thomas. And he walks up, he goes up to Thomas and he says, Thomas, why do you disbelieve? And he said, in fact, why don't you put your hands through my hands and you can see that I am real. And so Thomas begins to touch Jesus and realizes that it is his Lord, that he is alive. When Jesus leaves that temporary residence and he moves into the permanent residence of the palace of your heart, it is where you and I are led to fall down on our knees and we shout in acclamation, my Lord and my God, I believe. And then Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15, and then he appeared to over 500 brethren at a time. And if you want further to strengthen the, the apparatus of your heart versus a hallucination theory that Jesus did not appear, you go back to the 500, and the 500 says that we saw him. And they affirm the fact that Jesus is alive. They affirm the fact 500 souls now greater 
greater than anything, they now believe that he remains, that he also left his temporary residence to take up the residence of that best alive and lives within us. And we proclaim that he is alive. If we could place it on the billboard, a neon sign, it would historically say, Jesus, Lord, Savior, he is alive and he lives within my heart. And then Paul says in 1 Corinthians, he also says that he appears to James. Now James here is the reference to Jesus' brother. Did you realize that throughout Scripture that James, even though he was the brother of Jesus, just did not grab a hold that Jesus was Messiah. And it wasn't until that he appeared to James that James became a, a disciple that he believed that his brother was the Messiah, that he believed that he was Lord. You know, family after family, I'm sure, was looking at James and thinking, man, are you mad? You've seen him do all these things. You've seen him do the miracles. You've seen the dove land on him at his baptism. You've seen him deal with people. You've seen him love people. You've heard him love them even on the cross. And you're telling me you don't really believe but when he appeared to his brother James, James is no longer doubting in the Son of God. Jesus walked to James and put his arms around his brother and conferred upon him instant faith in the living Christ. If this is the manner of Jesus' appearance to James, it is the only appearance that Jesus Christ came to someone who didn't believe. And by coming to them, he then believed. I've also wondered why Jesus wasn't more forthright to the doubters. Instead of going to the disciples, instead of going to the 500 who believed in him, instead of going to the apostles and Thomas and James, I wonder why he didn't just go to all the doubters and say, aha, here I am, gotcha. But he didn't. He, should have, he could have gone to Pilate, shoved him in a chair and said, listen up. Pilate, now do you believe who I am? He could have went back to Herod and said, Aha, Harry, now do you believe? But he didn't. Jesus, with no trace of a grudge, Jesus leaves his enemies to die in their doubt. He affirms the believers because he's working on the strengths, not the weaknesses. And as he works on the strengths of all those who believe, he knew that all of the world would be evangelized greater than any work that he has done because of the time travel, because of the communication, because of the spread of Christianity all over the world. This virus we're going through reminds me of how Christianity can spread. One person at a time. And after two believe, then, then the two go to two others and four believe. And after the four believe, four goes to four others and eight believe. And from eight to 16, 16 to 32, 32 to 64, 64 to, to 138 or 128. You go and it multiplies over and over and over fast. All because he appeared to one after his resurrection. And then he appeared to another. And then he appeared to 500. And then he appeared to James. 
And James began to believe, no longer an unbeliever who cries out, I believe, it is true, you are my Lord, you are my Savior. I'm no longer your skeptical brother. I am in reality. I, I see the credibility before me, and I believe you are Lord. And then Paul says this, and last of all, he appears as to the one abnormally born. He appears also to me. And so I began to look at that, and I was thinking, you know, I, I agree with Paul. I'm abnormally born. Paul realizes that he does not have anything in life without the grace of God. He realizes that it is by the grace of God that he could ever be forgiven. It is by the grace of God that he could be empowered for Christian living. It is by the grace of God that he could be a missionary for, for Christ in the world. It is by the grace of God that he can share his faith. And I think that's where it relates to you and me. We are, as well as Paul, the witnesses today to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. It must be shared. It must be something that is deep within us, the excitement that is built, because Jesus Christ has left his temporary resident and he took up a permanent residence into, the human, into humanity, the permanent residence of your human heart. According to Hebrew thought, the heart is not just the muscle that pumps the blood throughout the body. According to Hebrew thought, the heart is the deep seed of who we are. It's the core being. It is the inner us. It is what makes it is, is the DNA spiritually of who we are. And so he takes up residence into that human heart. He takes up residence into the inner us, into the core being of who we are, into, and, and makes up and, and, and puts together his DNA with our spiritual DNA, and we are rebirthed. And Easter is our birthday. Easter is a celebration all over the world. Happy birthday to every born-again believer. And so if I could sing well, I would sing to each, each one, happy birthday to you. Paul would later, who was called Saul, heard the resurrection cry. It was no longer a cry of foul. It was now, I believe. And yet, Paul, in his fury stand against Christianity, fell to his knees on the Damascus road and he encountered Jesus. And yet, even after his death, he's still encountering the resurrected Lord. This man who was once persecuting others, killed others for Christ, has been transformed into the number one missionary and evangelist of all time. The supposition is that Paul died with his head on a chopping block. But he did it because of his living Lord. He understood exactly that Easter has come to set him free. Easter life has come to set us free. It has come to enable us to soar high and to fly and to enjoy life. Paul Harvey once told an illustration of a little boy whom had collected a, a sack, a burlap sack, 
kind of a spoiled little brat, as some may have defined him as a small child. But the boy gathered up small sparrows one by one, and he put them into this burlap sack, and he closed the sack. And you could hear the sounds of the imprisoned birds within that sack. Pitiful chirping, issues, it calls out from that prison bag, and yet he swung it across his side, and yet he's going about his way, knowing what he was going to do with the birds. And all of a sudden, he walks up to an older man, or older man is approaching, and, and the man says to the boy, what you got in the sack? And he says, I've got a sack full of sparrows. Well, what are you going to do with them, the man asked. I'm going to take them out of the sack one by one, and I'm going to tease them by pulling off their feathers so they can't fly away, and then I'm going to release them to the cats for dinner. The man said, man, how, how, much, how much would you take? How much would you sell this whole sack to me? The little boy thought for a moment. A little entrepreneur came into him, and he decided to put a little capital on this venture. So he threw out a figure. I'll take $2 per bird. Done, says the old man. And he pulls out the money, reaches in his pocket, pays the boy, and he grabs the sack, and the older man held it, held it up far, far more kindly than the reckless youngster. And in a moment, he untwisted the coil neck of that bag. He pulled it open, and just a little bit of time, the sky connected brilliantly to the openness of the bag, and inside the bag were all the birds chirping, and one by one flew out of the bag to their freedom. Now, we rejoice in the wisdom of the Apostle John. The one who has, has the Son has life, and the one who does not have the Son does not have life. Easter life has come to set us free. It has come to enable us to soar high and to fly. When Christ said, it is finished, he took the burlap bag and he, he heard the cries of humanity and he opened the bag and the open air hit into the bag and we were set free from the penalty of our own death and we were given abundant life and we were given the promise of hope and hope realized at that moment and we understand the permanent residence in the human heart. Christ now lives into the palace of our life. Jesus is alive. Let all believers exalt and soar above all those mundane matters that cripple and hobble us in living. He's alive. It is the cry of joy that forbids believers to be earthbound. The sky is only the worthy inhabit habitat of the earth, and you and I have a dimension greater than what this earth can see. Jesus Christ is alive. It is a cele celebration of your life and mine. On August 16th of 1981, I went into a small church on Thursday evening and went into the close of a set of revival series of messages. And on that Thursday evening at Lakewood Baptist Church in Georgetown, South Carolina, I walked in as a teenager 
And yet I heard the message and the testimony was shared by that evangelist. A testimony that spoke to my heart that says, said to me that day, I understood life of an unsettlement. I had no peace. I had no direction. I had no common ground with anyone else in that building in the fact of belief. And at the invitation that was given, the challenge that was given for me to affirm and believe and to commit my life to Jesus, I let go of myself. And I, I went to the pastor who stood there down front and I said, Pastor, I want to know Jesus. He led me in a prayer and off to a little room I went to be counseled for a while as the service continued. And at the end of the service, they brought me back as I understood through Scripture, I understood through praying a sinner's prayer that Jesus Christ is alive and He lives within me. And yet, even though I, I account August 16th of 1981 as my rebirth, today I cut a piece of cake. I light from that candle and I cut a piece of cake and I celebrate it is my birthday. It is a happy birthday to me because of Jesus. It's a happy birthday to you because of Jesus. So as the judge sits there in the chambers and he calls forth these witnesses and he hears each one give a testimony of what Jesus Christ did to them, he now looks to you and me and he calls us forth to take the stand. And what will we say on that stand? Will we look to the judge and look to the audience and say, I believe I know that Jesus lives within me. I know what he's done for me. I am forgiven. I am free. I understand exactly what Jesus, the life of Jesus is all about. He is my personal Savior. He is my friend. He is my Lord. He is my Savior. He has taken the penalty off my shoulders so that I can stand before God one day face to face and I can say, thank you, Father, for your grace that is operative in my life throughout my life and is operative now as I stand before you. Please receive me as your child, Abba, Father. That is the joy. That is our witness. So will you testify in your life today that Jesus is alive? Will you communicate your excitement that Jesus is real? Will you communicate that Jesus has given you abundancy, rich and full of life? Easter is a celebration of Jesus alive and made real within you and me. Easter is about the joy of relationship. Easter is about you and I no longer needing a priest over us because we have become the priesthood of all believers. To where we can fall on our knees, whether we're in a parking lot, we're out in our backyard, or in the privacy of our own home, and we can fall to our knees and cry out, Abba, Father. And we give him a heart, and we talk to him, we communicate with him, and we share our very being with him. So celebrate your faith, first of all. Celebrate your life. Celebrate who you are in Jesus. You are his son and you are his daughter. Be proud of the fact that you have a father who loves you beyond measure. That's imaginable 
in my sense of, of the term of how much love and grace he is. I challenge you today, first of all, to commit your life to the Lord Jesus Christ. If you've never committed your life to Jesus, it's very simple. Just bow your head and say, Daddy, I confess my sin. I am a sinner. And thank you for saving me. It's just that simple. I promise you as you invite Jesus to live within the palace of your heart, you'll understand the excitement and joy of Jesus. As you believe who he is and you hear today realizing, you know, I've, I've lost some connection. There's no greater time than to reconnect. You know, when our phones die, when our tablets and our laptops die, we, we go over to the wall and we plug them in and we recharge them. Well, I'm going to ask you to recharge yourself today. Plug yourself back into the Father and say, Father, in simple prayer, I confess that I have lost my connection with you and I want to reconnect my life to the greatest Father of all. It's just that simple. And thank Him for that reconnection. It just may be today you are right where you want to be in your celebration of your relationship. And right where you are, you celebrate Jesus. And so today you just may want to offer a thanksgiving to him. Father God, thank you for being real. And thank you for being the God that you are. I'm going to lead you in a prayer. And as we pray together, I trust that, that, that you understand that you don't need me to pray for you, but you need me to pray with you as I need you to pray with me, as we connect together to Abba Father. So let's pray. Father, we thank you. We thank you that we can call out to you as our friend and as our Father, as one who, who loves us so, forgives us so, and understands us so, that there's nothing in our life that causes you to run from us. There's nothing that we confess that could ever shock you that you're a big God and you can handle all of our cares and concerns. Father, we confess our life before you today. We ask for renewal. We ask for celebration within us. We ask for the gratitude to return. But yet more importantly, give us courage, give us hope, give us the challenge to share as a witness to you today, to everyone around us, that Jesus Christ is Lord of my life and I'm proud of it. Jesus Christ is, is Lord of everything, and I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. And I thank you for the salvation that I live in today that one day will be completed. Thank you again for who you are, and thank you for being our Father. In your name that we pray, amen. God paid a debt that he didn't know.
service. As you know, for those who are a part of our congregation and, and, and tune in on a regular basis, even prior to uh, the COVID-19, that you know that we always uh, close out with communion. And the reason why, there are two reasons why. I learned a long time ago that it's, it's not about me, it's not about you, it's not about anybody else uh, that, that worships. It's about Jesus. And communion for me at the close of a service is the last thing I remember more than anything. And I want everyone to always, when they come into worship, close out with, even if they forget who I am and forget who you are, that they at least remember that Jesus was lifted up high and above all else. And so today, I break some bread and I share in communion on behalf of everyone. Because this is a celebrative moment. A celebrative moment that as we break the bread and that as we dip that bread into the cup, that it says that I believe, I'm, test, I'm the living testimony of the birth, the life, the death, and the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. And that He is coming back for me and He's coming back for you. And so today, I break this bread. 
to celebrate Jesus, the body of Christ that is broken for you and for me. The cup that represents the blood of Christ, the blood of freedom, the blood of liberation. And so today in communion, as I dip this bread into this cup, let it represent an amen and an hallelujah that we together are liberated in the Lord Jesus Christ. So thanks be unto God for the Lord and Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who is above all and in all and within us all. Thanks be unto God for Jesus. Amen.